Welcome to the Be Well Buzz Podcast, your number one weekly source for natural health and wellness. Resident nutritionist Sean Stevenson. And as you already know, health is far more than what we're just putting into our bodies. We're also greatly impacted by the air that we breathe, the water we drink, the environment that we're in, and the people that we're exposed to, you know, our peer groups, heavily influence our health. Actually, recently, science has discovered what's now called the social brain. And the social brain actually contains what are known as mirror neurons. And these mirror neurons are sort of like simulation programs. And they simulate whatever we're exposed to. You know, the things that we're watching on television, the music that we listen to, the conversations that we're in, all of these things greatly impact the outpicturing of our belief systems and our bodies. And there's no time that is more critical to create the optimal conditions for health and intelligence and for us to flourish as human beings than when we are a child. This is when we're at our most sensitive and susceptible state. So we definitely want to ensure that we give our children and our grandchildren the best possibilities of being the healthiest version of themselves. And for this purpose, we brought on an absolute expert in this field. Her name is Amy Robbins Wilson. and She's a healing music artist and a musical parenting expert. She actually holds a master's degree in expressive art therapies and another in ritual song and chant performance. She is the author of the Mom's Choice award-winning book, Transformational Mothering, and the creator of four albums of lullabies and other original music. Her CD, Lullaby and Goodnight, was honored with a Kids Music Award. And her album, The Divine Hours of Motherhood, won a Gold Mom's Choice Award. She's got quite a bit of accolades and awards. Her song, Angels Watch Over My Baby, was licensed by St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital to be a part of their national fundraising campaign. She's absolutely passionate about the importance of music in early childhood. That's why she's developed her groundbreaking new program, Mommy Jingles, which is a musical parenting program. And I'd like to welcome Amy Robbins-Wilson to the show. How are you today? I'm doing great, Sean. Thanks so much for having me. So thank you. This is a really important topic. You know, I've got a new baby, which we didn't even talk about that yet, but mm-hmm. um, he's now one years old, and we found a lot of the stuff that you teach, and that's why I definitely want to bring you on here to share this, has rung so true with the development of our child. And my first question for you is, you know, this is, this is like something that you mentioned to me before, that a lost art. How did you get to be so passionate about early childhood music? Well, you know, I was very blessed to have a mother who sang to me and a grandmother who did these crazy rhymes and word games. So I sort of grew up in a sonic environment that had all of the, all of the things that children really need to make all those connections in the brain. And as I grew, I normally, I just naturally shared those as a babysitter and then as a teacher and then as a school counselor. And I became even more passionate when I became a mom myself. My son Clayton was born seven years ago, and he was actually born prematurely. And one of the tests that they were running in the first two weeks that always haunted me was, well, we know we need to test to see uh, what his, how his brain activity is. 
And so I was sitting there in the NICU and I said, okay, I'm a music therapist. I'm going to use all of my talents and abilities to make sure that my baby gets all, makes all those neural connections that he needs to make in those first three years. And also, I found that using music as a new mom, because, you know, you're sleep-deprived, there's a lot of anxiety, there's a lot of new emotions, things can feel really overwhelming. Whenever I was singing to my baby, I was in my happy place, <laughs> you know? And it just made me feel such, like such a great mom because I could see how he was reacting. And I, it showed me just how brilliant babies are. Just because they're not speaking back to us doesn't mean that they're not taking everything in. And they really, in those first few years, you're setting the baseline for so many things. Yeah. You, you said something very, very important, those neural connections and the neural associations. That's the first thing that I brought up. And the introduction was the fact that, you know, our brains, especially when we're, when we're an infant and when we're a child, are so, we're actually, you know, we're in a theta state. So right. everything that we're bringing in is really, we're, we're taking it in as a law. It's very real and it becomes these very, very powerful and deep neural connections and neural associations. And, you know, at myself personally, growing up, didn't know anything about that. My parents didn't know anything about that stuff. They just kind of did whatever, you know. But as we go back, and I want you to talk about that, you, you mentioned that this is a lost art. You know, as we go mm-hmm. back to my grandparents, there was so much more conscious, conscientious things going on. And with my grandparents, my great-grandparents, I remember them singing to me any certain songs that I actually remember. And I might end up singing it today on the, on the call. But um, can you talk, explain why you think it's a lost art? Well, and, and just to say one of my favorite facts about neurons is that at birth, a baby's brain has 100 billion neurons. Now, that's as many neurons as there are stars in the Milky Way. And these neurons, of course, combine to create synapses, which are like networks in the brain. And if you don't make those connections in those first few years, then they're pruned away. So it really is, you need to make those connections or your baby just kind of loses them. And what happened is before the advent of a lot of technology, people just naturally were creators of music and creators of song because it was our job to entertain ourselves, you know. Now, more and more, we're bombarded with a marketing machine that says, hey, this program or this... Uh, video or this whatever can be a better parent than you can. And as parents in a modern age, we have to keep continually saying, no, I am my baby's first teacher. I am my baby's best teacher. Because it's the one-on-one interaction that you are having with your child that is building those connections. And it's also teaching your baby that people are more important than screens. And that's an incredibly important lesson right now. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so glad you brought that up because, you know, I've seen it. I've I've seen families come in and there's two of them on laptops and the oldest child is on their phone. The baby is staring at some little DVD, portable DVD player, and they're not actually interacting. You know, everybody's there in the room, but they're all disconnected. They're at some other part in the world, place in the world. And you know, those things, it's not about being a Luddite and not being, in, you know, enjoying technology. It's about understanding that the most valuable things that we have 
is this human connection. And, you know, that brings me to another question, you know, when should we actually begin to introduce music to our children? Oh, wow. I love this question because I believe that the third trimester of pregnancy is actually a really fabulous time to introduce music. There was a study done by the Clinical Journal of Nursing, and they found that listening to lullabies for a half an hour a day during that last trimester decreased uh, anxiety depression, and stress in new moms, which, of course, leads to healthier babies and healthier births. And if you are listening to lullabies in that third trimester, for one thing, you're getting some downtime. Another thing, you're learning lullabies that you can then sing to your child. And your child is associating lullabies and that kind of music with a slower heartbeat, with something that's more relaxing. And you can use that as a bridge so that when your baby is born, you can use the music that you listen to in the third trimester as a sleep cue that you either sing to your baby or put on in the room whenever they're ready to sleep and you want them to sleep. Wow. So this is something that was completely oblivious to me, but we can actually implant cues for our children to actually do certain things. Like to, so you're saying like music can actually let them know that it's time for a nap or it's time to eat. Absolutely. So, I mean, just just imagine what it's like to be a baby, right? You're in the womb environment and you're hearing the regular heartbeat of your mom and the regular breathing and the digestion and, and some environmental noise. About between 20 and 30 weeks, a baby can uh, hear noises outside of the womb and especially they can recognize their mom's voice. And then they go from that environment to being in the world, and all of a sudden they've got this visual aspect that they didn't have before. So they're taking in visual content, they're taking in auditory content, and it must just feel like total chaos, you know? So what are you looking for? You're looking for someone who is going to be a reliable guide. And if you're lucky, you've got a parent who is a reliable guide who's going to give you structure to your day. And the wonderful thing about using musical cues to structure the day is that because music speaks to a network in the brain, where language speaks to just sort of one center in the brain, whenever you sing to your baby, they are getting a sonic massage, right? It's, it's lighting up all kinds of networks. And it's also telling them that, hey, listen, this is important. This is something different that you're hearing. So you're going to pay attention to it. So if you have a song that you sing before you want your baby to sleep, or if you have a song that you sing when you change their diaper, they will start to associate that song with the activity. Right. So then they say, oh, wow, okay, I recognize the song. I know, I think mommy's going to change my diaper or daddy's going to change my diaper. And then you do change their diaper and they're like, oh, I'm so smart. I have found the pattern. I understand. You know, mommy and daddy understand that this is what's going to happen. I understand that this is going to happen. And I swear, you look at that baby and they just light up when they understand something. And right. you just have to light up too because you're like, wow, I am the best guide in the world. <laughs> right. You know, I can imagine, and I've seen this so much working with women over the years, too, and the amount of frustration that can come up when they're not aware of it. Because, you know, the frustration comes from communication with the child and the child's frustration coming from communication with the parent. And right. music is this amazing medium 
that, you know, just the way you described it, what I was hearing is that it actually solidifies those neuro associations and everybody just feels like they're in sync. And that Absolutely. is so powerful, such a healing environment. And I think you even called it the sonic environment that we're living yes. in. So what are the effects of this sonic environment? What is the effects it has on our children? Well, the sonic environment is sort of even bigger than that. And the way I think about it is, you know, think about 100 years ago and what the sonic environment was that were surrounding babies that were born then. They were more likely to be hearing bird song. There weren't cars, so they were, you know, there were a lot, a lot more horses, and people were singing, and people were telling stories, and people were talking. And now a baby that's born now is much more likely to hear beeps and honks and harsher sounds. Even in the home, there are things that were. There are things that turn on and off. There are bright lights. And so the environment that our children are born into is very different than it was before. And our bodies really haven't changed that much. So we have babies that are coming in, and they don't have the kind of filters that we have as adults. So you have to be very careful not to overstimulate your baby because just being in the world is stimulating enough. So when you have to be very you know, conscious of sort of screening them because, you know, there are the other myth of parenting in this age is, oh, you need to stimulate your child. You need to constantly stimulate your child. And what we're creating are children that are addicted to being, for, from, for stimulus right. to come at them from the outside instead right. of them being able to have quiet time where they generate stimulus from the inside. So then you get a child who's six or seven or eight saying, Mommy, I'm bored. Mommy, I'm bored. If, you know, if they don't right. have a screen in front of them, they're bored. So it, what we need to understand as parents is all of this starts when in those first three years, if we can teach our children to be creators, not just consumers, and if we can model creating and not just consuming, then our children are going to have a much more peaceful, creative, and imaginative life. Wow. You know, I was much more conscientious of this when with my older children, but as it went, you know, my oldest daughter, not as much as my middle son, and it's definitely not as much as my baby, and you can see the difference, you know, like with my middle son, I've literally never heard him say that I'm bored. I've never heard him mm. say that, and that's huge for a kid, you know, he's tw he just turned 12 years old now, but, you know, whenever we would um, be around other, you know, his other kids, his, his other friends and their parents... They always talk about how, you know, my son Jordan, is he's so centered, he's so calm. But it's not like he can't get up and go play and act rowdy and all those kind of things, but he's just more balanced, you know. So right. it's not about running from the technology, but it's about understanding that we're born in very abnormal conditions compared to, you know, thousands and thousands and, you know, some say millions of years of our evolution to where we are today. And we haven't changed much, you know, our, our, right. our genes, our DNA. And these things can really kind of overstimulate us pretty quickly. And what I've seen is that it can happen very fast. You know, these kids can get addicted to these things very quickly. Very quickly. The, um, the thing that we still crave and is as babies, and I believe even as adults, is someone who will sing to us. And, you know, if you ever had the experience of someone who sang you a lullaby or someone who sang a special song to you on a special time, you have that memory 
in your heart and in your body. I mean, that is just something that is a part of you. And, and you know, I love your story about your grandfather's songs. When I gave, when I had my son, I found myself singing songs that I hadn't thought of for years. You know, my mm, mother would right. sing, good morning to you, good morning to you. Good morning, good morning, good morning to you. And that just came out of my voice one day, my voice one day, and I said, "Wow, where did that come from?" Oh yeah, my mom used to sing that to me. So that's a magical link between me and my mom, and now between my mom and my son that will always be there, and hopefully he will sing it to his child someday. You know? Absolutely, and you encourage with your programs, your your CDs. Mommy Jingles, to, to encourage parents to think of music as a tool. So right. what does that ex- exactly mean? So what we do with the Mommy Jingles program is we break it down into eight weeks. So we go through all the aspects of your day, from baby games to running errands to bath time, kitchen, bedtime. And we give you little jingles that you can use at those times to indicate to your child about what's going on. So, you know, there's a song for getting in the car. There's a song for mealtime. There's a song for grace. There's a song for waking up. There's a song for going to sleep. There's a song for leaving your child at daycare, which is just one of those really hard transitions. But if you do it with music, it becomes this really sacred ritual that's really wonderful. So we've just given people a variety of jingles that they can use, and you don't have to use all of them by any means. And some of them are more appropriate for, you know, someone who's two or three, and some are more appropriate for a baby. For example, I mean, you're not going to use the potty training jingle <laughs> on an infant, you know. So it just, it, and it also expands moms and dads' sort of musical vocabulary and encourages them to create their own things that work with their own families. Right. So well, now what about parents who don't feel like they can sing very well? Can they still use this? Absolutely. You know, it's so funny. You know, we live in this sort of American idol culture where we think if we don't sing perfectly, we should never open our mouths. And that's just awful because study after study has proven that whatever voice you have, that is the voice that your baby wants to hear the most. But I'll give you an example with my husband who would say, you know, he is not a singer. He just, you know, he he doesn't sing in public. But he does all these great musical things with my son that we also talk about in the Mommy Jingles program. So it's like doing the little chants, doing special dances. You know, you can't, your child cannot learn rhythm from a video. They have to have someone hold them and play these little games. And that's how you learn rhythm because you have to get it in your body. And those are the kinds of things that you can do, whether you can carry a tune or not. Right. Yeah. And even the benefits for the parent, like you mentioned before, you know, this connection. A couple of weeks back, I did um, a special podcast where it's just me talking about three totally free things that we can do to add years to our life. And I mm-hmm. cited studies. There were the three S's. And one of the S's was singing. And I cited a study that was a joint study conducted by Harvard and Yale that indicated that you know, singing in a choir increased life expectancy among people in this huge um, test group that they took on. And it actually showed that it promoted heart health and enhanced mental state. These things to you, you're just like, yeah, of course, that's obvious. You know, so I encourage people to use their voice, and that's what you're doing too, no matter what their voice 
it's it's supposed to sound like. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 music is just magical because it's something that is so much bigger than, than us. You know, it, it affects the whole energy around you. And when I was going through postpartum anxiety and when I was so tired, you know, just singing the stinky pants dance, you know, <laughs> and just funny little jingles just put me in such a good place that it really saved me as a mom and just made me a better mom. So powerful. This this is inner technology that you're bringing people back to, and I so appreciate that. Now, another big factor here is that you know parents are so most parents are really really busy. You know, running around doing all this random stuff. Can they still find time to utilize this technology and use music in their child's life, even though everybody says they're so busy? Absolutely, because that's the beauty of Mommy Jingles is that it's not adding one more thing to your day. What it's doing is you're singing while you're doing the things that you're already doing. You're going to change the baby's diaper. You know, (laughs) you're going to find time to change the baby's diaper. So if you sing a little jingle while you're doing it, everyone's happier. And your baby and you and your baby are really bonding. You know, you're going to serve meals and you're going to run errands. And if you use these jingles and songs, you're teaching your baby while you do them. And you've got this really fun communication going on. And it's just so much fun to see when they really click in and they start singing back and doing all these. Oh, it's just, it's, it's so exciting, Sean. I can't even tell you. Right. Oh, my goodness. I mean, you just said something that's going to ring true for so many people. We don't want another thing to do. Just something that we can all that we can do while we're doing the things we're doing already. That we can just right. integrate, and it's not a, a added stress. As a matter of fact, it's anti-stress. And now that leads to though with the the biggest issue when people, even you know, when my son was six months old, we'd be out somewhere, and I was carrying him in his car seat or something like that. People, you know, there's ask, how old is your son? six months like oh so you're still not sleeping and this big issue with this whole sleep thing is it's a pretty big issue and for (laughs) me personally for me personally this is so huge because my son has been sleeping through the night nine to ten hours from the age of six weeks old wow when people hear that they just they just can't really wrap that around their minds that that's even possible and how we created that was through creating certain rituals so that he got integrated into it as well as us. And that's one of the things that that you're talking about here as well. So let's talk about sleep. Every parent needs to know how to get their baby to to sleep through the night or at least get some good quality sleep. So how does the music help with that? Right. Well, putting out some time and effort into thinking about a pre-bedtime routine and a bedtime routine is really important because it's going to save everybody a lot of time and a lot of and a lot of uh, anxiety. So, what I tell parents is, you know, find something that is going to be manageable that you can do for years. You know, I've got a few songs on some of my lullaby CDs, and I I started singing my son uh, three songs every night before he went to bed, and he would just go right down without a problem. And I still sing one of those songs to him every night, and he's seven years old. And he still, you know, he associates that with sleep, and he wants to hear his song. So that song is now a link between the two of us, but it's also a tool. And I tell people, you know, think of your bedtime routine as a tool 
that you are using that is a, it's going to bond you to your child and also, you know, make bedtime much more effective. Now, we have a, an app called Angel Song Baby Sleep Deluxe, which is the ultimate sleep cue. And what it does is it, there are several lullabies on it, and you can choose one that you want to use as a sleep cue. And if you have, if you're lucky enough to have a newborn when you're doing this, perhaps you've even been lucky enough to, to listen to a few of these lullabies while you're pregnant with your baby so that they already associate those songs with sleep. Now that's the ultimate scenario. Now if you're looking at having a newborn and you want to get them to associate the music with sleep, what you want to do is pick a song and whenever your baby is starting to fall asleep, you want to put that song on so that they come to associate that music with sleeping. And after, if you do that effectively for, for a couple weeks, you will be able to actually cue sleep with the same music by putting the music on and then maybe looking at them and closing your eyes, modeling going to sleep, and then you'll have your bedtime routine. You'll just be able to put that music on and they'll know that it's time for sleep. Wow. People need this. <laughs> they, they need to know about this. You know, so many people are just suffering because they, they don't get this, this information. They don't have access to this technology. And something you brought up in the very beginning, you know, this was something that has been passed down from generation to generation. Even our, about ourselves and our culture would be through song. And now right. everything is on a screen and we're really disconnected. And music is such a powerful medium you know, even the ABC song, you know, right. we all know that. How do we learn it? Through this musical dissertation of it. It really, you know, that's how it clicked into our minds. Right. So, wow. Well, and, I, and you know what makes me so sad is when I see a new mom and she's obviously so frustrated because the baby doesn't know what's going on and, and she doesn't know how to comfort them and she's just doing her best. You know, we're all doing the best that we can. And if we just could get this information out so that people can see how effective just learning a few little songs is, once your baby sees you as that trusted guide, really the crying almost goes away, you know. And of course, if your baby's overtired or overstimulated, you'll have some crying. But but you're going to you're not going to have the crying that just says, "I don't get it." I don't understand right. what's going on, or there's right. too much going on. You, you, you lose the overwhelm. And you also grow in respect for your baby because you're just in awe that, oh, wow, they really get this. You know, one mom was talking about um, a simple little jingle that's called Up, Up, Up. And what you do is whenever you have, from the time your baby's born, you just say, whenever you're going to pick them up, you say, Up, Up, Up. So babies associate up, up, up with a direction, which is up. They also associate that with coming to mommy or daddy. And they get so excited because they know they're going to be picked up. And she said, wow, you know, I really got that my baby understood me. And that jingle actually saved my son because we were in the grocery store parking lot and, uh, I was putting the groceries away, and somehow I had just turned my back, you know how it is, one second, and he yeah. was starting to go towards the road where the traffic was going by. And I looked at him, and I said, up, up, up. And he immediately stopped dead in his tracks and came right back to me because he knew that up, up, up meant go to mommy. 
So that yeah. is a powerful way that by Im- you're sort of imprinting these these uh, messages into your child in a way that can really help you as a parent and get and help your child. Right. It's that communication that stretches out further than than anything else. That's amazing. You know, and by and people for people who don't know, when they get to be like you know one two years old and they start walking. They're quick, like little vampires. They are. <laughs> they turn around and they're gone. Um, well, one other thing that I want to bring up with, when talking about sleep, and I didn't know I was going to mention this, but I just remembered, uh, it was about two weeks ago, and my son, he just turned one, and every night uh, my wife is breastfeeds him to put and puts him to sleep. That's mm-hmm. how it's been. You know, it's been the, the ritual for when he goes to bed at night. And two weeks ago, she went to go take a shower. It was like his bedtime was like around nine o'clock. And I was just, it was a long day. I was laying on the floor and he's not, he doesn't come and, you know, get all cuddly with me. You know, me and him just play around a lot, but he came and he laid down on me on my chest and I, I was singing, you know, some little mm. tune and he laid there and he just went to sleep. And that was the first time he went to sleep without her through his whole, you know, being here on the planet. And she came right. back from the shower, and I was putting him in the bed. She was like, what the, what happened? You know, and just, <laughs> How did you do but that? He's, he's really connected to music, and he always has been, you know. So I was just singing little little tunes that he likes, and he just went right to sleep, and it was, it was amazing. And she felt like, I mean, she was super happy afterwards, and, you know. But, um, yeah, so that was a personal story. This stuff really does work. And the question, though, for you is, does this stuff really work for everybody? You know, what's the proof? How do, how do we know that this actually works? Well, you know, everyone who's taken the course has taken something away from it and said, oh, my word, this changed the way that I thought about my relationship with my child. This changed the way that I thought about communication with my child. And, you know, even people who started out a little skeptical, once they try it, they're just like, oh, my word. I, I can't believe this is actually working, and, and they're reacting, and it's just so exciting. And I actually had, hadn't planned to make the Mommy Jingles course. You know, I was just doing this because I wanted to help my son, and I wanted to make sure that we were bonding and his brain was developing. But then so many moms came up to me during the day when I was in the grocery store shopping or whatever, and they would say, wow, what was that little song that you just sang? Because he totally turned around, you know? Then I said, wow, you know, I think that this might be a really useful um, tool to sort of get out for other moms. So I asked a few moms, you know, would you just kind of look at this course and see see how it works for you? And we got such a great reaction that we said, okay, well, let's go ahead and, and make this online course. And I'm just so excited about it. Well, this, the, first of all, the testimonials, you know, when people actually give you that feedback, that's that says more than anything else. But the question that I'm most curious about personally, because being younger parents, you know, we're exposed to all kinds of different types of music and, you know, we've grown up in a very different um, genre or exposure to, to different types of music than our parents and definitely their parents. So I'm curious, you know, what are the roles of other types of music, recorded music, CDs, things like that, as far as their exposure to our kids? How is that affecting them? 
Right. Well, what I tell people is, you know, to think of it as a buffet. You know, you don't want to overindulge on any one of them. It's really hard to recreate jazz as an acapella singer, you know? So absolutely put on CDs of, you know, different kinds of music, go to concerts, make sure your baby's not overwhelmed, make sure things aren't too loud. Uh, One thing in, in live music is often things are way too loud for a baby. But just give them a, a diet of different things, but don't let any one of them replace singing to your child and singing with your child because making those musical links, those are the things that they are going to remember. Those are the things, when, I mean, when you're being held and you're being sung to, they're learning messages about being loved and being accepted. They're feeling the rise and fall of your chest, and they're learning about rhythm as you rock back and forth. That can never be replaced with a CD or DVD or a video. And also, be really careful because, you know, I had a mom say to me, she said, well, you know, there's this music in my baby's stroller, and I really hate it, but I figure the manufacturer must know better than I do. And I was like, whoa, (laughs) don't ever assume that. If it annoys you, it annoys your baby. And you don't want your baby growing up thinking that this little rinky-dink, tink-a-tink-a-tink-a-tink-a-tink music is quality music because it's just not. Wow. Well, Amy, I've got to tell you, it's been very enlightening for myself, and I'm sure a lot of people are going to get a lot of value from this. And it's not just about people who have small children. You know, if people, even in the future, if they're planning on having children, grandparents, um, who else can, can utilize your program? Well, it's a great thing for grandparents because, you know, their grandparents may recall even more songs and games than parents do. So if you can think about the songs that your grandmother sang to you and share them with your grandchildren and share them with your own children uh, as they're becoming parents, I mean, that is the repertoire that really is so important that we're losing. There was a study done that said that um, they they asked 80-year-olds what kind of games and songs they could remember being sung to as babies. And they had this vast array of rhymes and songs and games. And then 60 to 80-year-olds, they knew a few songs. And 40 to 60-year-olds... They didn't really know much, and parents under 40 really didn't have that repertoire at all. So really, a big part of the purpose of Mommy Jingles is to sort of bring that repertoire back and to say, hey, it's important to do pat a cake. (laughs) It's important to do this little piggy, and this is why it's important to do that. And these are some fun games that you can play with your child when you're taking their socks off, you know, which you're going to do anyway. So... You know, grandparents can reintroduce what they know, and you can even start to create your own kinds of links because, you know, that song that you were talking about, it links you to your grandfather. That was his gift to you, and that's his gift to your son when you sing it to him. I mean, those are precious, precious things to have. Okay, well, Amy, this is wonderful, and, you know, Something I want to wrap up with is personally, you know, music has been a big part of my life and just really want to anchor it in for everybody that 
music is a powerful medium for us to be able to absorb information. And oftentimes, you know, we can remember all the words to our favorite song very quickly, <laughs> but, you know, we can't remember the answers for, you know, uh, some kind of a random test, a driver's test, or whatever the case may be. But when something's connected to music, it's very powerful, and we need to be conscientious of that and use it to our own good and to our own advantage. And, Amy, please share where people can get access to your program, more information about you, and we'll put the links up as well. And also any parting things that you'd like to share with everybody. Absolutely. Well, I would invite everybody to go to mommyjingles.com. That's where you'll find out all you need to know about the Mommy Jingles program. And I would also invite people to just take a moment today and think about those songs that connect you to a time and a place in your life, and also to think about what songs you may want to share with the younger generation and make sure that they have that musical link with you. Awesome. Wonderful. So, Amy, thank you so much for coming on. And like I said, we're going to go ahead and put the link below the podcast and also uh, an, an additional link to get more information from Amy and all her wonderful work. And it's been a real honor and privilege to have you on. I thank you so much for your time, Amy. Thank you, Sean. It's been a, it's been a real pleasure. Well, everyone, this is Sean Stevenson signing off from Be Well Buzz, and I'll talk with you soon. Thank you for listening. Go to www.bewellbuzz.com for more natural health information and subscribe to our free weekly newsletter. Don't forget to share this podcast with your family and friends. Stay tuned for more from Be Well Buzz.